peek behind the curtain of the Softly Training Lab with the Softly Performance Podcast. The pinnacle of human performance is out there, and we intend to find it. Welcome to the Softly Performance Podcast, guys. We got Matt and Chris on today. I'm going to go ahead and just open it up and let Matt lead with it just because of the fact that one, he uh, decided to go ahead and do some really cool show notes for Chris today and, and get us moving forward in terms of how he want to direct the the podcast. And if you guys just heard Chris, he just got done com, um, competing with a group of, correct me if I'm wrong, it was a group of six? Six. Yep, six. that's right. And it was, uh, it, was an, it was pretty much a 12-hour race, and they had to complete a certain amount of distance. And it rotated between each individual and they had to run their sections. So if you've ever ran a Ragnar trail race, it's very similar instead of 24 hours. I think it was only about 12 hours. Am I correct, Chris? Yeah, it was uh, 84 total miles. So however fast he got it done, but there was, there was a cutoff that we finished in uh, 1120. Nice. So, nice. Yeah. yeah. That's, that's flying for a group of six. I mean, I, I saw some of your paces and you're holding eight thirties for a majority of everything. Um, yeah, I got wow, especially off that. I'm going to say off that terrain you were just talking about. Yeah, when they flattened out, it got a little bit easier. But in the as the day went on, it probably was it was starting to cool off towards the the tail end of the day. So that last, uh, I think I finished with like two, just over two and a half, and ended up uh, putting in my best time for that. But I think we were just ready to be done. Nice, <laughs> nice. Yeah. Well, go for it, Matt. Let's go ahead and open this podcast up and get it flowing. I'm super excited about it. I don't know about you guys. Yeah. Oh, like likewise. Um, just just before we get started, um, I just want to do the the kind of the boring admin stuff at the start. Obviously, we, we chatted today with Chris. Um, he's he's talking to us as a softly athlete, as opposed to in his official U.S. Marine Corps uh, role. So anything that we talk about today is is kind of coming from Chris as a softly athlete, rather than reflecting that of the of the Marine Corps, or the DoD. Um, I think that gets us out of any any legal hot water. <laughs> um, yeah, thanks for covering that. But like before, yeah, so just just to kind of kick us off, really, um, I wonder if you could give us a, a quick rundown, Chris, on, on kind of like who you are, what you do, uh, both kind of training professionally, that that kind of thing. Just, just give us a bit of an insight. Yeah, definitely. Um, so yeah, Chris Drake, um, 32 years old, currently living in Southern Illinois, stationed at uh, Scott Air Force Base. I'm a Marine Corps officer, so... Uh, kind of rare for a Marine Corps officer to be on an Air Force base, especially in the middle of the, the country, but uh, there was an opportunity to come out here and it, it was near family. So I've uh, been here for two years, getting ready to PCS out to, uh, out to Camp Lejeune. Um, have, a, have a wife and a daughter, another one on the way, and uh, outside of work and, and spending time with them, it's, I'm mostly uh, focused on kind of fitness and especially getting back into running and, and doing some longer distances and um, so I've been with Softfleet um, for since 2017, before a, a deployment, and then just kind of stuck with it from then. So I've gone from doing stamina before the deployment to the strength, some of the strength cycles, um, just spending all day lifting, and then coming back and trying to get back into some some distance stuff again. So use the Apex program a few different times now to prep up for a 50k and, and a trail marathon, um, two separate races and and then just been sticking with it ever since. Nice. Yeah. Well, I want to go ahead and say it's, it's really cool to go ahead and see that you're uh, your communications officer, because I came in as a radio operator in the very beginning of, of my career and obviously became a reconnaissance communicator. So 
rock on as communicators. <laughs> yeah, I actually, I listened to a couple of the, uh, the lunch and learns you use some metaphors about troubleshooting radios. And, uh, I, I really like that, that, that hit home with me. That was uh, super important with uh, some of the units that I was with. It was all single channel radio. Dude, it, you know, it's funny. I, like I said in those other podcasts, it really was one of those things where it was like to be a great communicator, it wasn't about how well you can program a radio. It was about how well can you troubleshoot when the radio went down and how fast can you get it back up? Because in our in, in our situations, you know, if you had no comm and you had comm windows to touch to go ahead and let hires know, like you're missing comm windows, that's not good. Like, that's not good at all. Right. Like, you're in trouble. And if you go ahead and miss multiple comm windows, you got to go ahead and start executing your E&E plan. And that's that's mission failure. So, you know, right. it was one of those big things early on in my career. You know, I had some really good mentors in the in the communications realm of, of the reconnaissance community that really kind of harped that into me. So it's really cool to hear you still talk about that, even from a leadership perspective, um, where you're at now. It's like, hey, you like to be a good communicator. It's not about programming the radio it's about troubleshooting it so yeah um yeah dude I, i'm excited for this podcast just because of the fact that you know you've you've been with softly for some time now um you've seen it work you're uh you're a, a product of the or you're a result of the product over time and you know you also just got doing the case study pilot case study with us which has been really rad and we'll dive into that but you know some of the things that we're going to cover today a little bit about philosophy i love philosophy everyone knows that um i love to work and you know <laughs> training and as well as general stuff you know and then family that's a big thing to me so dude let's go ahead and dive into it all right let's do it yeah which i mean just to, to kick us off i just wanted to kind of tag on to to what you guys were talking before about the the running side of things and and how you you've kind of i remember you you sort of saying before that you, you used to have an absolute loathing an absolute hatred of of running um how like how have you kind of found that that transition almost going from, from one extreme of, of trying to avoid it to like, to uh, yeah. voluntarily en entering kind of ultras and things like that. Yeah. Uh, I think, so there, there wasn't a lot of consistency or, or discipline in, in how I approached um, physical training for, for a lot of years. It was just, I wasn't in bad shape, but just enough to, I was, I was doing fine on PT tests and everything, but outside of, of that and, and Marine Corps workouts, I would just hit the gym at night, do standard bodybuilding workouts, chest day, back day, leg day, and, um, just kind of plodding along doing that for a few years and, um, started to explore CrossFit a little bit and, and tried, I, I hired a coach and was doing some Olympic lifting work, uh, before mm -hmm. I was ever doing anything softly. No, I was not strong at all. Uh, just trying to get some technique down and, and eventually yeah. um, I started to have some, some neck issues and uh, it, it kind of healed a little bit, tried to get back into it, hurt again. So eventually I was like, well, what can I do that will allow me to stay in shape that will still challenge me, but not keep messing my neck up. And that's when I, I said, oh, I'll, I'll try running some more. So up until that point, it was, I, I might do cardio, you know, or, or PT with the Marines and, and doing some running. But outside of that, it, it was uh, nothing, nothing serious. So probably the most I'd ever run up to that point was, I don't know, six to eight miles, something like that. Probably not, probably, probably more like six. And yeah. so I signed up for a half marathon and just started training for that. And, um, and then found out how much I, I really loved it at that point. So that was kind of the, that was the first step into it and sure. trained for a few months, did the half marathon, felt like I, I turned in a pretty respectable time, but 
my training leading up to that, I, I didn't know how to, I, I didn't know what I was doing. So I, I went in and I, I pulled a, a program down online and yeah. it said run this amount of miles Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, whatever, but it, nothing else. And so I said, okay, well, this is, this is what I want to run in the race or what I feel like I can run. So I'm just going to hit every run at that pace. Mm, so I was, yeah. I was doing, I was maxing out every time, uh, going out for these runs and I did find during the half marathon, but tried to keep carrying it on after that. And, and eventually just started having some start deteriorating with my yeah, uh, IT yeah, sure. band and stuff. So, um, but that pretty much got me hooked. And then shortly after that, I went on a deployment. So I kind of changed my focus. That's when I started doing softly, um, softly programming to kind of get my strength back up. I hadn't been doing anything with weights really at all. Mm. Um, and that's where I found that blend. And, and as George started to introduce the apex program and, and started kind of teaching me that, yeah, you can do both. You can still lift weights and you can run long distances. Uh, because I had that, I found that passion for running those long distances. Um, and, and still loved going to the gym and lifting weights, being able to blend those two together has been perfect for me. Yeah. That's, I think that's, that's really cool. Like I say, finding, finding that balance. You know, um, you know, what's crazy real quick, sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt is that no, no. that gradual shift or pathway that Chris just talked about is of, is very similar with a lot of people, meaning like, Hey, let's go online. Let's go follow a training program. And there's no real context behind it. And we talked about this yesterday or yesterday, mm -hmm. right, Matt? To where it's like, Hey, yeah. go run six miles, go run five miles on day two, go run four miles on day three, rest on day four, yep. go run seven miles on day five, go run eight miles on day seven, on day six, rest day seven. And there's no real context behind that. And that was something that me and Matt were talking about because we were looking over a training program that individuals use to get ready for certain selections. And it was one of those things like, it wasn't from us obviously, but it was very, um, it, it lacked a lot of context. And it was like one of those things where it's like, we can see why individuals, we either break themselves or not be successful because they don't know how to interpret the training program or the, the stimulus and what it is they want. So when it, you know, yep. now that you, you, when you came over to softly, I think that's really what mattered the most for us, especially from my training perspective, as well as a coaching and programming, um, perspective is this idea of how do I go ahead and develop this context so that you can go ahead and take it and follow it and create the same stimulus exactly as what I'm looking for when I put it from my head to paper. Yeah. And I think it's, it's awesome that you guys are starting to normalize that the idea of recovery and sleep and, and you've talked about it many times before on the podcast, but the culture of just going out and, and crushing yourself every single workout and it's, it's counterproductive uh, up to a point yeah. and there's definitely a time and place for it. But if you're, if you're looking at the long term instead of, you know, what do I need to do today? Then ideally you're structuring it in a much different way. And, and like you said, George, having that context to, um, kind of guide you as opposed to, I, I don't, it just says, do this. I'm just going to go do this as hard as I can for until I'm done. And then you just do that day after day and, and end, up, end up injured or something else. Yeah. And it, it's difficult, I think, as well with with kind of the, the tactical culture. And I think this is this, I don't think this is exclusive to the military. I think this is across the board. We we have that kind of default setting of either you're off and you're not doing anything or you're going as hard as you possibly can. Mm -hmm. um, there, there's, no, there's no kind of like middle ground. So so like you say, when you when you have programs and, and things like that that um where, where maybe it's not completely clear what you should be feeling, what you should be doing and why, then it, it just defaults to it being 
max effort. Mm-hmm. Um, and that, that's something that, again, me and George have been chatting about quite a lot lately is, is with, the, with the platform of the, the app that we use with Softfleet. Like, how do, we, how do we kind of increase the depth, if you like? How do we make it more 3D and, and effectively have it feel like the athlete has got a coach kind of yeah. looking over them via the app rather than following like a training program. Because yeah. I think it's that adding that third dimension of, of like we talked about before, kind of making it context specific, like how are you feeling today? How are you performing today? And then tweaking based on that. Yeah. Um, I oh, think yeah. that's kind of the next step for us really to, to kind of get our heads around. Yeah, that, that would be cool. Yeah, I'm thinking about it. So coming into that race that we did on Saturday, um, thinking about all of the work up until that point, we were we were it was a pretty light load because of everything else that was going on in my life. And, um, so part of me going into that day, was like, well, how's my body going to respond? Because I haven't, I haven't seen a max effort day truly in, in a very long time. And, and what's that going to look like? And when, after that first leg, I was like, and, and I coming back down after that, like I told you, George, my heart rate, I think it was 180 plus for that first leg. And I was like, oh, I don't know what's going to happen for the second and, and the third one. And, um, and then what, what's Sunday going to feel like? And, um, I, I think it went way better than I was expecting. I was able to kind of come back down and, and go back out there and perform again. And then after yesterday, and then up until today, um, haven't really felt that bad, a little sore and, and definitely the heat took it out of me, but yeah, it's, I, I think that was kind of the other end of the spectrum too, is, is if you, if you're managing your load to, uh, not overdo it every day, but then have to go perform, um, knowing that you can still do that, even though that load has been light. It, yeah. It's, I call it the sniper mentality. And I think I've talked about it on the podcast before, but if, if, you know, when I look at an athlete over a year of periodization, realistically, they can, depending on their, their training history and their background, they can only peak once, twice, maybe three times a year. So it's mm-hmm. really interesting to watch a lot of these individuals who run these hundred mile races in the ultra endurance world, always, um, running these races and the same thing in the tactical, in the tactical community, right? We, so it's, how do we go ahead and and mitigate and balance having the ability to go ahead and, and, and drop the hammer when you need to. And it's the same thing when I look at, you know, you know, when I went through pre-sniper, the idea was like, Hey, you have to get yourself in the best position possible to make that shot count. And in that idea behind that, it's kind of how I carried over into the same thing when we go and look at max effort sessions, right? It's like, Hey, we need to go ahead and get ourselves in the best position possible to make that round count, to make that shot count. It's the same exact thing here. And granted you were doing, you know, during the case study, we were mitigating and balancing out your training. We were making sure it looked good, but you also were doing, you did a little bit of like lactic acid training stuff. You were doing all these things. But what I want to go ahead and really point out is the idea of the recoverability aspect of you being able to recover from a max effort sprint for six, seven miles, average heart rate was a 180 the whole time and your average heart rate over the past eight weeks with us let's be completely honest was below a 150 mm-hmm. for a majority yep. of your training so what yep. we just did there was we just increased recoverability to allow for you to go ahead and send those rounds down range and make them count and granted you're right the environment in which you were in that plays a really big toll and possibly why your heart rate was so high but we had strengthened your heart so well to handle that and yeah you're saying like I'm a little sore and a little tired probably mentally and physically. Was it really from the running from you pushing hard? Sure. But it was also from a lot of other variables within that environment. 
Yeah. But we were able to go ahead and create this robust recovery system to where you're like, oh, I feel great, you know, I'm, I'm rocking yeah. and rolling. So I, I think the biggest thing out of all of that, especially when we go to that, is like, hey, guys, like when we write our programming, it isn't just to help you perform. It's also to help you recover. Yeah. Mm. I, I think, I mean, that's that's a pretty good segue, I guess, for like, I don't know if, I don't know if you want to give maybe a bit more insight, George, into into what we've been running with Chris with regards to the case study and, and, and how, how that looks. Yeah. So pretty much what happens, Chris came to me and, and we kind of were, were starting to talk. He's like, Hey, I need some help with some endurance stuff, how to balance it out. I've been a little bit injured. I want to get back into ultra running. I want to get into there. And we're like, all right, cool. We'll go ahead and work this way. I was like, well, at the same time we have this case study going on and these are the pillars that we're working on. And if you're listening, listening to the lunch and learn series, we've covered those pillars, but again, sleep, nutrition, heart health, autonomic nervous system function, or CNS management, um, psychological, emotional uh, states, as well as occupational stress management. And, you know, with Chris being in the position he was in, it really was one of those things where he was already doing sleep decently well, he was eating decently well. You know, we had to create some heart health stuff there, which we took over and we did, as well as like, you know, autonomic nervous system function, I think was decently well, but what we started seeing was it was kind of high. So by blending in this focus of, of, of heart rate and managing his efforts and saving those rounds, we were able to kind of get his autonomic nervous system back to a function to where we were able to see, oh, okay, he can handle his load a lot better from a job perspective and from a psychological perspective, because throughout that eight weeks of this, of of this tracking we did, we really did a really good job, Matt and I did a really good job of managing your training load with your psychological output for work. And we have data behind it and numbers mm -hmm. to show like, hey, look, when you were really stressed at work, look what, we, look what your training session looked like. And it was, it never mm -hmm. maxed out. And we had training load monitoring, we had HRV monitoring, we had resting heart rate. We even did a math test, you know, where we saw your, it, over a, what, it was like six week we saw it decrease by your your runtime decrease by like twelve seconds in a six week. Yeah, it was it was pretty significant. And, and but the crazy part is it was already at a nine thirty something when he first did it with me. So we or it was like a nine forty something average heart rate was a, a one forty two I believe. I, I think it was like average heart rate was what we were kind of keeping you at. Or I think we were at uh, a one a one forty eight. Sorry, sorry, so, one forty eight. My mind, yeah, one forty eight. Yeah. So that was his his aerobic threshold max, and we we're like, don't ever go above that. And what we saw from right. that is we just increase overall oxidation oxidative efficiency in the system to go ahead and keep the system recovering. And and what we saw from that, and I'd be completely honest, was amazing. It was like, hey, look, we just made him that much better, just very little. But that's the key. And if we can continue doing that slowly. By the end of the year, what does that look like? And I take this from the weightlifting world. It's, you know, everyone's chasing PRs, but it's like, hey, if you can just do one kilo per cycle, by the time you know it, at the end of the, at the, end of the year, you've now just put four to five kilos on that snatch or clean and jerk. Yeah. Incremental change. Correct. Small incremental change. And I, mm -hmm. and, and I, and honestly, this is what I'm finding out with this, this CW uh, S framework. And I, so I'm calling it a framework because again, it focuses on the human first, the profession second, and we can utilize this, this framework, not just in the tactical community, but in your everyday recreational athlete who is sick and who's unhealthy all the way across to who needs to perform really well. And I think that's the, the big point here is where I'm finally understanding. It's like, no, I, I'm not shooting for 1% increases. I'm shooting for 0.001% increases. Mm. Yeah. Just like you and just accumulate, I guess. Mm -hmm. Correct. Mm. Correct. 
Um, that that was something I was I was quite interested to sort of get your get your take on, Chris. I know we've we've kind of chatted about this quite a bit off air. Just this idea of, um, I guess, balancing the the focus, particularly when you're in such a high, like, relatively high stress, high pace role as as you are. Like, how do you balance that with? I know you've got your like your your kind of priority um, sort of priority pyramid or priority list. Mm-hmm. Uh, is, yeah, are you are you right just to kind of talk us through that a little bit, like how you how you kind of created that and and how it sort of evolved? Sure. Yeah. So it, it, I was thinking about this a couple of days ago too. It the so the priorities that I shared with you, I kind of landed on those without realizing it. It was sort of how my how I was having to structure my time, and then as I thought about it or or how I was explaining it to other people, that's when I kind of really started to, to pull it out and say, no, this is exactly like it, almost in a, unintentionally, this is what I've been doing. And this is now something that I can take now that I've kind of written it down and codified it. It's very simple for me to understand and, and pinpoint if I'm kind of off balance or, or missing in one area. So, um, so my job is, is pretty cognitive. Like I mentioned, it's, it's not, uh, it's an office job, uh, not physical, physically demanding in any way, but, um, small team, uh, running operations, kind of doing from beginning to end admin logistics, all the things that you have to do to, to deploy small detachments. And, um, the, so it's, it's a lot of communicating externally, a lot of briefs, uh, engaging with senior leaders, that kind of, that kind of thing. So, uh, not like a, a standard kind of tactical athlete, um, type job, but as we talked about early on the, uh, you know, the stressors were still there. And so the occupational stress that I was getting from kind of the day in and day out, uh, as, as we started to, as you started to manage the, uh, kind of physical aspect of it with the training that I was doing, I was able to, um, not get over overwhelmed or, or overloaded. And hmm. so how that played into where my priorities are. So the way I see it is, is in my free time, I have my family, uh, physical fitness, learning, um, and then being outside, spending, spending time outside. So, uh, my family, my wife and my daughter, um, physical fitness doing wh- whether it's running or, or softly program or, um, both, um, and then learning, I'm, I'm taking some classes for an MBA program. And then I like to read in my free time as well. And then being outside is just as, as much as I can get outside. So those are kind of the, the, the four main things that I really like to do with my free time. And, and so I started to think about it and as I was having other things come up, so training or classes that I was taking or, or reading, I was starting to push those to those to the kind of the periphery of, of time in which yeah. I was spending with my family. So the way I looked at it is if I can get whether it's schoolwork or my training done in the morning before they wake up, that doesn't interfere with that family time, which is my number one priority. Mm. Um, or yeah. during my daughter's nap time or once she goes down to bed and so that's how I kind of started to structure it out and, and think about it that way. And, and it has, for me, it's allowed me to think if I start to notice that one of those things is encroaching on, let's say like my top priority, my family, yeah. what can I do to kind of reshuffle or rebalance? And um, there's obviously cases where, where things come up and, and mm. something else will take priority and it, and it has to, it has to move up. But um it, it should be an exception to the rule is, is the way that I think about it. Yeah. Yeah. I, I really like that. I know we, we kind of spoke a little bit as well about how, how sort of work um, is, is almost like your non-negotiable, like the, the thing that, that 
I guess almost is balancing the, the, the priorities of balancing out against. Right. Right. Um, and I, I think like particularly, again, particularly in, in roles like yours that are, that are, are very kind of cognitively sort of um, demanding, it, it's quite different in that when you do something physical, like if you go out for a ruck or you, you have to do like a range day or something like that, as soon as that, that day's finished, or as soon as that section's finished, you, you can start recovering and, and like that's almost the end of it. Mm-hmm. But when you've got something that's, that's so cognitively heavy, it's very difficult to kind of flip that switch in yeah. your brain and say, well, that's the end. It yeah. kind of is naturally going to just kind of keep, keep wearing away. Yeah. Um, and, and so I think having like being able to, um, I, in, in my, my mind, in my sort of interpretation of what you're talking about, it's almost like, a, I guess, like a star graph where you've got like, say a a hundred a hundred units a hundred points and you can kind of allot them to the the four different areas and obviously we know that say 30 30 40 are safeguarded in family and then the other stuff is is kind of fluid depending on on what's going Mm -hmm. on um but but yeah in in terms of having that in terms of having that kind of um that that sort of priority list as a as a way of managing the time when you're you're not working is that something you've always have you always had that has that always been quite intuitive from from when you when you were young or i i don't know i i don't think so i think okay. probably what what happened was i i had a kid so, <laughs> yeah so any free time that you had is uh is, is pretty much gone and, and i suppose that i could um I, I love being a dad so anytime that um I, I could probably allocate time to doing other things that I enjoy doing kind of during that time. But I, I try to safeguard that, like, as you mentioned. And, and so, because that's so important to me, um, I think up until that point, I hadn't thought of it in that way. So sure. I, I had, I had a lot more free time during the days or on, on weekends or whatever to kind of just do my own thing. And um, so it almost forced me in, into that and, and maybe also the position that I was filling and, and it being so cognitively demanding mm. because I would bring that home. And even during the times when I probably should have been thinking about other things, I was thinking about work and, and what we should be doing differently or, or what the next day was going to bring. So, uh, which I know everybody does, yeah. but, um, yeah, I, I don't think, I, I think it was more of a product of my, it, the environment that I found myself in and it just started to make sense and, uh, and capturing it that way helped me because I, I think another thing, I, I don't know if it was a softly podcast. This is a long time ago, may have been another podcast, but I heard basically that, that the concept of balance isn't, you, you can't really apply that to life because it, that indicates that there's, that there's some sort of like evenness there and, and sure. it's not possible. So, um, you're always, it's always going to be off balance. And and, yeah, you're just, yeah. and so to think of it in, in the way of priorities. And so mm-hmm. I don't know if that influenced me or not either. Yeah, uh, I, I think but, yeah. you hit a really good point, man. And I think it's something to point out is the fact that you didn't just have this, you had to kind of have an, uh, an event in your life to kind of make you switch, right? Like you're like, right. hey, before having a kid, because I even have the same thing, right? Before I had me having kids or you know, being, a, you know, getting ready to get married and fall into that whole family thing. It was like, you're right. We had time to do what you wanted. You didn't, you woke, you slept in, you woke up, you're like, what am I going to do? I'm going to go read for a few hours and I'm going to go right. maybe go work out and I'm going to go eat something, you know? And it's just like, 
And then all of a sudden now you have another purpose in life and you're just like, okay, cool. How do I go ahead and manage all of this with still kind of keeping connected to myself? And, and that's a really hard thing for a lot of individuals in the tactical community to do, right? Like we were so um, wanting to give and we kind of forget to kind of give to ourselves. And it's really cool to hear that you manage that. And especially the idea of balance. When I look at balance, it doesn't exist. I've talked about this and I think it might've been the podcast, but I look at like, Hey, our life is just full of chaos. All we're learning how to do is handle and navigate the chaos in which we live in. Right. And, and again, mm. chaos isn't a negative, a negative term. I don't look at it from that perspective. I look at it as just like, yeah, I got a lot of crap going on in my life. And guess what? I'm just fitting things within the margins and keeping that thing flowing and trying to right. avoid yeah. massive undulations of peaks and valleys and just kind of understand that. And yeah. I think that's a piece, you know, I understand just because of having kids and having to work full time and having to do school and having to do my own thing on the side, blood train, still learn and do all of these things. And people are like, how do you do it? And you, you nail it on the head, Chris. It's like really just being able to solidify these priorities and what's really matter to you. And then everything else kind of goes around that. And understand that sometimes you're gonna give and take. And we've talked about this on the podcast before. And we can go back to your spider graph that you know, Matt talked about. It's like, well, I allot already 30 to 40% of these points to my family. At times, that 30 to 40% points actually might only be 20, and the extra 20 to 30 points that I took away from my family is now going to something that is actually needing it in that moment. It goes back to the whole idea of the sniper mentality. I only save my rounds for when I need it because those would matter. And I think that's right. that's the biggest point here when it comes to, you know, how do we go ahead and manage these? You know, we call it your four priority model, right, Chris? Like we look at that and it's like, well, how do you do so? Well, yeah, we're all similar in terms of chaos. <laughs> Yeah. I was I was going to ask you guys actually like this is this is from someone who who doesn't have kids like for for both of you is there any if you had to give some advice some like pearls of wisdom to someone who's who's a tactical professional again not necessarily military not necessarily in the roles that you are or were in like is, is there any are there any kind of nuggets that you wish someone had told you or is it a case of just kind of you have to figure it out as you go like how how do you how do you feel so for me, what I've noticed is that everyone has their own style and, and the, the parents and I, I can't really speak from like a single parent perspective because that totally changes the calculus. But friends that I have that, that have kids, um, you know, they, they just strike different roles. And, and um, I'm, I'm pretty active. I'm pretty hands on with my daughter. Like I can tell you all like the, the things that she has and like the diapers and toothpaste and all that stuff. And, and some guys may may that may not be their thing and they just do like step up in, in other ways, I guess. And, um, so I, I don't think, I don't know. I, I just sort of just kind of went into it and, and figured out, uh, and it changes every day too, because as they get older, like the, it all changes. So I think, I, I think for me, the one thing is just, just trying to be there. Um, and, and when I have that time spending it with my daughter and you just kind of figure it out from there, like what, what, what you guys can do together to, to kind of bond. Um, and not, I, I don't know. I'm, I'm trying to think if there's anything specifically that I was told. Um, I, but yeah, I don't know. George, I, I don't, I don't, I don't, know if I don't think anything. it's, I don't, I'm, to be completely honest, I, I haven't been told anything. I think a lot of it's just been through experience and action and doing, um, and just kind of reading the environment. You know, I do come, I did, I was a single parent for a few years, you know? Um, and again, you have you play different roles, right? I play two different roles than I do play with my youngest who lives with me full time compared to my two other daughters who don't, right? But when they come here and they're with me, that role does change. Mm. 
because it, again, you yeah. have to understand the context of in which, you know, the situation that we're in. And at the end of the day, we end up finding that like, yeah, the only way you do and learn through something is by doing. And, you know, being a single parent or being a full-time parent, right? Like being a full-time parent isn't just being a parent. You now have to still be a lover to your, to your wife and make sure you still are giving her the needs that she does, that she deserves, right? Like that's something that I've had to learn myself is like, Hey, look, not just being a parent or a dad, how well am I going to be as a, as a husband, as a lover for my wife and being able to understand and meet that because those two things there go hand in hand. And if, if I'm just focusing on being a good parent, then what am I doing to my wife and how we're doing that? But I've also looked at it from perspective where, yeah, you know, I do run a specific role in my younger daughter's life as a full-time parent that allows for me to go ahead and still get the things that I love doing complete and done to fill my cup so that when I go and hang out and do those things and I'm present, I can just be 100% present in it to where I don't even think about time anymore, right? Like, mm-hmm. that's the thing. And something that I've learned so far is, like, if there's a beginning to time, there's always going to be an end, right? Mm-hmm. So what that means is, like, yeah, it's, like, the only thing that's really going to be solidified here is going to be me and my daughter no matter where we're at, right? Like, everything around me changes. Mm-hmm. I We go to the, like, you know, a routine we have right now that we're in currently is I get done with work by 4 o'clock, and I take her to the, to the splash pad. And we go play the splash pad, and the wife goes to the gym and does her thing. And then we come back home, and, and I hang out with the wife, and I help cook dinner, or she cooks dinner, or I cook dinner, and we play with Bella or whatever else, and we do that thing. Or, you know, we let Bella sit there and watch Moana. She loves Moana right now. And some people were like, oh, this too. dude, it's such a great movie. Um, but like, that's the we're idea. We're about to have a Milana themed uh, birthday party. So I'm, I'm right there with oh, you. Oh, dude, it's so great. So it's kind of one of those things, you know, like actually it's a good idea. I might do that for my daughter's second year birthday. We're going to just be a Milana yeah. theme. But that's the thing though, is like, okay, cool. I need to give myself to my wife now. And it's like, let's talk, let's, let's conversate, let's do this thing. Because sometimes I get back on the computer and work again from 6.30 till 8. Some nights I have to jump on a, I jump on a call with my other kids and I talk with them and I get to do those things. So it's just like understanding this undulation of our life isn't going to be balanced. And you really just have to understand that from a perspective of like, sometimes there's a give and take and you have to be very present with it. Cause if you're not, it's when it does start to spiral and lose yourself. And, and that's coming from experience. I've learned that too. I've had to learn how to fight myself out of that. And if I don't give that to myself, something I tell, you know, Savannah is, you know, we're getting married in July and it's all I want to do is foster an environment for her to grow. I want to foster an environment for my daughter to grow. And I want to foster an environment for my other daughters to grow and my future child that's coming too as well. So it's like one of those things where it's like everything in my head that I'm doing is to foster the environment for us to continue managing the chaos within our life. And now that's balance. Yeah. Yeah, I think one one maybe important thing to note too is that my kind of where I'm at right now is is pretty stable. So um, I coming like I'm able to maybe arrive at these things or think about these things because of the stability. And and we've talked about this before too. So it's it's much easier for me to talk about these kinds of things and and identify these things or think about it in this way because. I'm not having to deal with all sorts of other life events that are going on for people all over the world. And, and, um, I've been very fortunate in that way to, to kind of have that time and space to, to think about things differently or, or do things differently. But, you know, it can be in an instant, your life can change because of who knows what tragic accident you, you just never know. So, um, I also, I guess it's, 
I think for sitting here and talking about it and not acknowledging that other people may be in a position where they can, like, they're like, Hey, I'm just trying to get through the day, man. Like I can't like yeah. priorities, like it's, it's survive right now. And, and just so, kind of on fire almost like you're, yeah. you're just trying, yeah. Just trying to keep, yeah. keep moving, I guess. Yeah. And, and so like seeing, seeing other people and, and trying to kind of explain this to them, I, I definitely think that there's, you kind of have to, everybody's on a different part in, in a different part of their journey. So you kind of have to arrive at it on your own. You can't, you know, you can maybe coach or teach if somebody were to come and ask you, but to just say, well, no, this is how you should be doing it. It's not, might not necessarily mm, apply. It, yeah. Well, and that's the whole idea too, with the, the words should, I don't know if I've talked about this before, but should is considered, you know, an idea of fairness when realistically there's no such thing as absolute fairness in the world. Let's just yeah. be completely honest. So I really try and avoid the word should as much as possible in my vocabulary because I know what it does to my mentality. It's like, if mm. I should be doing this and then I'll, and then it, 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 for me personally, it creates that. So like something that I look at when we are on fire, cause I'm telling you what, this today I'm on fire. Yesterday I was on fire. <laughs> like I'm on fire all the fucking time. Like, I'm not going to lie to you guys. Like, like, yeah, it might seem like I, I get to do X, Y, and Z, but it's like, no, I'm fucking boom, 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 boom. boom. By the time I know it, it's like, all right, it's nine o'clock at night and uh, I'm going to shower and go ahead and hang with the wife for a little bit. And I'm going to do it all over again. But it's like mm -hmm. learning how to go ahead and manage the intensity of that fire when you have that time. And there, there's a writing I just got done writing and I talked about like the most, the, the transition is the most complex thing, right? Mm. That's it. Like between phases. Correct. Yeah. And that's the thing, right? Is like, if I can go ahead and manage my transition from phase to phase, I am then set up the, with the best possible outcome that I can have in that moment. Right? Mm -hmm. Like, for example, like my transition from this morning's work compartment that, that I did to now changed a lot because there was some other things that I had to like attend to. But luckily, my transition this morning, I knew I was going to go into a work day that was going to be busy. So I got to do some things that I needed for myself. And again, I understand not everyone can do that. But there is places that we can. And we talked about this, you know, during our case study, during the pilot case studies, like, hey, go ahead and do some breathing work while you're fucking driving. Like, yeah. how many times do you drive from point A to point B by yourself? Like, that's actually a very meditative, med uh, meditative state that you can get into while driving, right? It's a very simple task that can slightly elevate you into that, that arousal state of the, the inverted theory that we talk about of, of arousal. It's the same thing yeah. here, right? It's like, oh, cool. Maybe I can turn the music off, keep and turn the AC on and, you know, boom, or put on some really relaxing music. And I just kind of close my mouth and breathe through my nose and just drive and focus on thinking and actually become an observer of my thoughts, Mm, kind of finding value in i guess what you what you maybe would consider dead time correct yep. correct correct and I, that's that's taking discipline that's taking me to put my cell phone away not to check instagram not to answer emails not to do anything and that's like one of those things and it's like being okay with whenever it is interrupted not to be upset about it to be like hey you just had three or four minutes for yourself keep moving forward and that's i, I think honestly when it comes down to the idea of like you know advice perspective you know how do we go ahead and control this life of of us being on fire it's really just taking taking advantage of the lower intensity portions of your day and to manage the higher intensity session aspects of it hmm. is, is that something like i this might come across as like a loaded question so apologies but but chris kind of with your role of like managing a team particularly with people who are not necessarily all from the same background in terms of, of Marine Corps. Like, is this something you're, you're kind of mindful of like these, like their, their stresses and, and kind of where they're at 
or is this is this something you're kind of a bit more hands off like what's what's it like um so in terms of like how how tied in am, am i to their kind of what's going on in their personal yeah, lives yeah yeah is that is that something you like yeah how do you how do you kind of strike that how do you approach yeah. that yeah so um there's i feel like i'm going to answer this in kind of like a, a leadership or like marine corps <laughs> philosophy way please yeah, yeah. please do please do so, george is um, missing I, and and also george I, so a, a guy on the team um once said that uh he he brought that up recently your your most i think they teach you that from the transition from the offense to the defense is is in a tactical setting that that's when you're most vulnerable um, because everybody kind of takes their guard down and, and so I've, I've kind of been thinking about that a lot lately like as i transition especially as i'm i'm moving having another child starting a new job like being very cognizant that that's when you're most vulnerable so the things that you think are going perfectly that's that's when they're most susceptible to to uh, chaos or, or whatever mm-hmm. else but to, to answer uh to your answer your question matt um so I am the only officer or there's one other officer on this, on this team that I was just on. Um, I'm the only commissioned officer on the team. So the, and, and then it's uh, civilians and, and enlisted Marines. And so there's okay. a, a senior enlisted. A mix, it is. Yeah. There's a senior enlisted advisor um, and then a, a civilian supervisor. So um, just kind of by the nature of, of how the Marine Corps does it and probably most other services that, enlisted senior enlisted advisor connection and and bond is is always going to be different than than anything that i can strike with the the marines and i get that um but because of the small nature of the team it's definitely a little bit more intimate than a, than a larger unit might be we're pretty separated from our higher headquarters there's really nobody out here um checking on us day to day you know that can see us face to face so um from from that perspective i definitely felt more tied into some of those things that were, were going on. And, and so, and, and you see that too, I, I mentioned before, everybody's kind of at a different spot along their, their journey. So some of these things that I might talk about with, with one person would probably not even compute or translate to somebody else. And that's not to say that they don't understand it or don't get it, but they just don't have the, they're not at a point where yeah, they can internalize bad. it. Right. Sure. And and maybe they were, and they've just kind of transitioned because of things going on in their life. And um, so I think, yeah, just kind of being cognizant of that and, and picking up on those cues. And um, I feel like you can, in, just in conversations, kind of understand a little bit what makes people tick. And um, But also, too, the mentality of uh, in the military, I, I feel like it's it's pretty still in that I don't want to make my problem somebody else's problem somebody else's problem. And I think we're getting better. I, I think the, there's a lot of focus on mental health and um, getting people to be more open. And because a lot of it isn't, isn't even combat related stress. It's just life is happening to these people and they're away from their family and, and all of these things. And they, they just don't talk about it or don't know how to talk about it. And I think we've gotten better, but yeah. I think that there's still a lot of, of room to grow there. I want to, mm-hmm. I want to kind of, kind of open up that a little bit because when we go ahead and talk about the stress of somebody and when they start getting in a very bad headspace right when we go it's not combat related it ends up becoming when we take away the the labels and the objects of like combat and stress in life ultimately it's just stress and again we talk about the cut method it's like hey 
you know, if you haven't worked through, you know, let's say you had childhood trauma and then you decide to leave that and you become more in the military and then you gain some trauma from the military because of the job that you were a part of. And then all of a sudden you leave the military and you start kind of going through life and you start experiencing what really life is, right? Really what the world in which we live in. And I'll tell you this, and this speaks for everybody. Life is fucking hard and I get it, right? But it's a privilege to be able to experience it. And I think we forget that. And it's like, hey, look, yeah, these stressors are are just an accumulation and, you know, mental health becomes a summation of, of, of either my ruck overloaded and I can't handle the capacity and the intensity and the threshold anymore that I have to find and an, an figure a way out to go ahead and either increase that ruck space so I can handle more stress or I have to go ahead and find ways to go ahead and mitigate the stress. And it's come down to this, something I kind of just thought, started thinking about, a four-point stress uh, stress perspective, right? And when we look at somebody, when I go and work with somebody, you know, it's first, so like if I'm gonna work with Chris or one of Chris's athletes or one of Chris's coworkers and I have no idea of his life, well, I wanna go ahead and understand what his stress is like. First one is, the first point will be, what is the stress and where is it coming from? Two, how do we go ahead and change the perspective of what that stress is doing to us? Three, how do we repair the stress that has happened in the past? And then how do we prepare the system and the mind and the body, the soul and spirit for the follow-on stress that's to come, right? If we can go ahead and look at it from that perspective, we then allow ourselves to go ahead and manage the intensity of life, and which ultimately is enduring. Mm. Yeah, that was, that's, that was that's awesome. interesting. Yeah. I, I was thinking kind of from a like trying to draw sort of parallels really we we we've just been talking recently um about like how um i guess there's a tactical athlete life cycle if you like or a tactical professional life cycle so different phases as you as you move through kind of um basic training right right through to transitioning into retirement but but one of the things we were talking about with the the initial those initial phases is like unlike in in kind of in sport and with dealing with like with um sporting athletes there might be some things that the the tactical professional can't necessarily do very well so for instance um they might not be very controlled at something like a lunch so this i'm just kind of thinking real real basics they might not be very good at something like a lunch Mm -hmm. so what we have to do before we start layering on top kind of complexity and 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 more challenging patterns is is fix that fix that kind of i guess deficit might be a word Mm -hmm. so that so that they're kind of then able to to take on the challenge that's going to come in in the next stage of of training and i guess that kind of pans across to this to to what you're talking about george but more from like a kind of a psycho emotional perspective in that maybe if we can look at fixing some of the deficits first or addressing some of the deficits first i i had a conversation actually with uh with the wife about this actually because like she's getting ready like she's in her second master's to get her clinical therapist she has a a master's in performance psychology and she's at the point she's like i just want to get out there and start working with athletes and start working with people and i'm like okay cool like that's great and 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 what opened this conversation was i actually did like a meditation set not a meditation session but like i had some thoughts that i was doing while i was driving and it was a it was like a mental performance technique and it was like how do i learn how to attach to thoughts and then unattach the thoughts and then concentrate on a specific thought or a specific thing that i'm doing and go from there and the conversation went to straight she was like well what if you were to go ahead and have them be more specific and i go well that's the pro- that's as like that's what we're that's the problem right now is like everyone wants to be very specific but no one understands the general aspect of all of this so by me just saying hey hold your, focus on breathing in through your nose and out through your nose 
for 20 seconds. You now are focused on breathing through your nose for 20 seconds. No thoughts are running through your head, none of that stuff because you're focused on it. Now I want you just to stop thinking about your breathing and just start observing the thoughts come in. And then I want you to go ahead and attach to five of them. It just can be whatever. That means the first one comes up. Oh, I need to call my buddy back because I said I was going to do that. Okay, cool. Remember that one? Push that one by. Oh, I need to go ahead and write something because this is what it is. Cool. All right. Oh, I'm supposed to talk to my wife about this. Cool. I'm now going through this idea of where I attach and then I unattach. I attach and I unattach. And what does that do for us? It gives us the ability from a psychological perspective to allow for us to do what? To go ahead and mitigate the chaos that's in, in our life whenever those things start to happen. It gives you that control from a psychological flexibility perspective. So it was one of those things where I was like, oh, cool. I was like, I think that's really good. But I had, a, I was like, before I can get there, you know, I was like, hey, babe, before I can get there, I need to be general, meaning I need them just to learn the basics foundations of how to do that because most people don't. And then I can start being more specific, meaning like I only want you to attach to your, the feelings about your family only, not work, not training, not nothing else, but your family thoughts. And then you can start being more specific with that. But it goes back to the said principle. And like, again, the said principle is great and it's a low skill to high skill. Mm. So, for, just for those people who who maybe aren't familiar, that specific adaptation to impose demands, it's normally something we deal with from like a kind of a physical training stimulus perspective. But but yeah, like like George was saying, it kind of it it pans across pretty well. It it, it really does. I've learned that it does pan across a lot of uh, a lot of things within life. I've I found that it has been from a psychological perspective and a physicality perspective. Mm. Yeah, that's, that's cool. I mean, speaking of the of, of kind of looking across at, at different, I guess different disciplines and different domains. I know Chris, you mentioned at the start that that you're uh, you're casually casually raising a daughter, working full time, full full time husband, and also studying. What are you what are you doing for your? Is it a post grad? It is. It's a it's an MBA program um, through the University of Illinois. It's an online program that I started. It'll be a year in in August. So. Oh, a couple, cool. couple more years left on that. Yeah, and what's that? What's that on? What's that kind of? I think the the system's a bit different to the UK, but you have. Okay. Do you still have majors and? So it's a, a master's of, of business administration. So okay. it, it is. Yeah, it's a. Um, so I did my undergraduate degree in political science and um, haven't used a, a lick of it since. And, uh, <laughs> and so uh, yeah, I kind of decided it, at some point to um, to start going back to school and and kind of get back into that. It was something I, I got, I got to go to a Marine Corps school for nine months and it was a little bit more of kind of a, a postgraduate education structure right. and I enjoyed that environment. So I, I thought that I would go ahead and, and dive into it. And I, it, it's, it's all over the board. So there's a little bit of like economics and finance, but then there's also some uh, like strategic innovation, creativity, Badass. leadership, those kinds of things. So it's it's pretty interesting. There's definitely some overlap, and I was just going to ask about that. Yeah, whether there's yeah. any, whether you've kind of seen any any parallels or overlaps with with what you're doing professionally. Yeah, I, I would. It, there definitely is nothing that I can take and, and necessarily apply right away. But I, I never, very rarely, will I read something or or listen to something where I'm like, oh, I can just take that and, and plug it right in. It's more of just kind of taking it in, internalizing it, and then kind of comes out and in, in experiences i guess yeah um, but it, yeah it's it's been good i i think I'm, I'm still pretty early on in it not even uh a quarter of the way i think i'll be a quarter of the way done when i finish these two classes but yeah, it's been good so far yeah yeah and and in, i just sort of going back to what you were saying about um 
maybe not like copying and pasting, if you like, in, mm. information and, and lessons over. I think that's something that's that's kind of really powerful. Like I, I remember from from my time serving, a lot a lot of kind of um, promotional courses and things like that that I attended. It was very much about well, this is what this is a theory from business studies or, or kind of marketing science. So you're going to do this, and, <laughs> right. and and it's almost trying to you're almost trying to like um, fit like a, a square peg in a round yeah. hole. You're trying to take something that doesn't really like transfer over, but because it works in one domain, it, it's kind of considered what well, has to work in the other. Right. So I, th- I think your way of your way of kind of like um, I suppose internalizing and then and then whatever whatever you kind of utilize being more almost organic right i think if you if you can get to that point yeah. i think that takes a lot of experience and a lot of kind of confidence in your your skills to do it but being able to do that i think is huge yeah I, so i would say that there have been a few instances where in one case specifically i'm thinking about a book that i read actually i was kind of directed to read it and <laughs> right. and and it was a a system of um it's called objectives and key results and um so I read it and I ended up kind of totally buying into the, uh, into the framework that they use. But hmm. in a lot of times, if you, if you take something like that and just try to move that model over, what you end up doing is, is you're having to create buy-in mm-hmm. from the people that are really executing it. And, you know, they don't, they don't have the same context that you do. So yeah, I think a more appropriate or, or seamless way is to, um, figure out how whatever it is that you're learning kind of fits into that system. There's probably a much better approach that you can take because mine is not necessarily focused. It's just kind of at will, but there, I think if you try to just, like you said, just cram things into the Mm. system, it's, it's not necessarily going to fit. Yeah. I was just going to say that that's something I've, I've kind of taken a lot from, from George rather than like, I've kind of previously would just only have only ever have my book, my head in like strength conditioning type books, like exercise physiology, but actually kind of taking a step back. I, I know you said you as well, you, you kind of consider yourself a bit more of a generalist, Chris, but like taking that step back and, and looking at things from different perspectives, I, I think is, is really powerful from like, I'm, I'm hitting all the buzz terms from that, like transformational type perspective, like, mm-hmm. like looking at, but well, what's the next evolution of this going to be? Because there's lots of, for, for us in, in kind of human performance, if you like, there's a lot of fields that are kind of ahead of us with yeah. regards to like their, their state of evolution. And I think if you can look across to that and to come back to your point, rather than like say, well, they're doing this, so I've, I've got to imitate it. It's, it's learning those same, the same kind of lessons, I suppose. Mm, yeah, right. You know, what's funny is you, you guys are talking about this and I just had a conversation with a good friend of mine this morning actually and talking about the idea of like putting yourself in different communities so you can learn from them and bring them back to the other communities and then the, what you learn from that other community, you take it back to them, ultimately just becomes an innovation. And, mm. you know, what happens in your brain and what happens in your brain, Chris and Matt, like it, it it's different than mine. I know that my brain is a very dynamic process and luckily... Matt speaks George and we said that before on the podcast and I think that everyone that <laughs> listens to the podcast speaks George but I've also learned to do a better job at simplifying the simple mm. right like that's that's idea is like I know that the big brain in my head likes to go very whoom way out there 
but I've also learned how to control and bring it back. And I think that's the idea where when I look at Chris and he's like, yeah, I mean, I've just learned how to organize my priorities and stuff like that, where it's like, oh, he's now looking at life from a 3D perspective, not from a 2D. And what do I mean by 3D? And this is kind of my philosophical side of things because we know I love that. It looks at it from a notion of I am as I am, and then I can look at the ego and then I can look at the objects of what's around me, right? So meaning that, hey, those objects could be, the object literally is, is Chris, is Matt, is this guitar next to me? Is this podcast, the equipment that I'm recording on? And understanding that some objects are going to go ahead and create specific emotions, thoughts, or feelings within me. Sometimes they might be very painful, they might be torturous, or they might be very happy and give me all these other things. So it's the idea of being like, okay, if I can pull myself out of the aspect of just the ego and put myself in as the notion of the I am, right? This, this, this aspect of deeper than inside me, I then have the ability to know navigate where I need to go to allow for me to go ahead and, and manage the priorities of family, health, learning, training, outdoors, and doing all of those things. And I think that's the idea, right? When I go ahead and look at this, and Matt, you said it perfectly, you were just like, I never looked at it from different perspectives. I didn't, mm, right? Yeah. And, I, and luckily, I think it just came from my reconnaissance background is like, hey, look, when we're on an objective, there's multiple OPs on that objective. Why? because it provides multiple different viewpoints to allow for us to gather as much intelligence as possible to send back to hires so then they can go ahead and develop their pictures and then go ahead and go off of that. It's the same thing here I'm doing from, from that, right? And it's just taking experiences and things I've learned from different communities and impacting so that there's new innovation for that so guys underneath me can go grow and, and, and continue moving forward. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, I really like the the use of the word system when you talk about the conscious warrior system too, and um, like systems thinking and, and complex machines, and there's so many different inputs and you get feedback from different areas. So thinking about it in that way, it translates very well to me. And um, so I, I, I've really liked how, how you guys have kind of changed. Cause I think you, you started calling it the program and then, and then the system. And, and as soon as you said that, and the way you were explaining on the podcast, it, it definitely hit home um, because there's just like we were talking about, there's so many different things going on in, in people's life. It's, it's chaos and it's, it's a complex system. So, and I, I think the other thing too, is you're never for me, at least the way that I think about it is I'm never going to have perfect information. I'm never going to have a, a complete picture. And so what I think is working for me now could completely change in an instant uh, based on some other input from this complex system that I'm not even thinking about. So um, yeah, I, I guess the other thing too, is the way that I'm, I'm, I'm aggressively going about this portion of my life, but also with the understanding or, or hope that I have the understanding that, um, I might, I might not be doing it right. So I better be ready to change if, if something pops up. Yeah, that, that's definitely something we always talk about. Um, I, I guess probably more offline when we're kind of, when we're batting ideas, <laughs> we're batting ideas up each other, but this, this concept of like, I almost, I hope that in five years time, I'll look back now and put my head in my hands and think, oh, what, what was I thinking? I hope <laughs> right. I'll evolve. Right. You know, like I, I kind of give myself full permission to, to be wrong with what I'm right. saying at the moment, but, but kind of, kind of like you were saying, both from a, I guess, a, um, a strategic like ops perspective, but also a bigger picture, like you can only do the best you can do with the information and the data that you've got available. Um, right. and, and that's, that's been a real, that's been a real, kind of focused for us with developing this, this conscious warrior system is, is how can we, how can we kind of take, as you aptly put it, how can we take the chaos that's going on and, and try and make it 
sort of resemble somehow something that people can can get a bit more of a handle on like how can we how yeah. can we kind of take that chaos and light have a bit of a purchase on 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 what's going on um yeah. because once you once you kind of once you can get an idea of, of where you're at once you can get those those baselines then that's when like george was saying with his his stress model that's when you can then start to kind of affect change or, or right. make interventions to affect change um, and I know, I know that's hugely inspired by your sort of background, George, in, in like, Indeed, it, the- it, it's cool to hear like the idea. Cause like the way we can talk and we have articulated everything we've talked about in our own way. And we've just come out and given three different perspectives, exactly what we're talking about. And that's mm-hmm. the cool part about this. And this is something I got taught by a mentor, Mark Twight. You know, we got done doing a podcast last year and I don't know if I've said it before in the podcast, but you know, we were talking and the podcast got done and we never put it out. But what he told me was, he's like, hey, man, if you're going to start talking and sharing these ideas in your head, you have to learn how to create the same color cups across the board with yourself and those who are listening. And that was probably the greatest advice I ever I have gotten in terms of how to go and take this dynamic thought process and put it out in, in, in front of somebody, right? And that's the idea. And, and I think the word you're searching for, I don't even know if you're searching for it, Matt, but the word that I kind of came to my head when you were saying this chaos, it's structure. All we're doing is creating structure within the chaos that you carry. That's it. Mm-hmm. It's really just what it is. You're just learning how to have a little bit more structure within the chaos to go ahead and, and have a, a, a good transition. And sometimes, like you said too, Chris, it's not always going to happen. Like, and guess what? Like spilled milk, spilled milk, pick the fuck up and keep moving forward. And I know that's, it's that's simpler simply said than done right i'm not going to say easy because sometimes picking up spilled milk is not fucking easy it's a difficult task you know so i I get that and it's really cool for us to kind of bring this this three-way conversation to a 3d perspective for people to go ahead and take these different ideas and and really just kind of be like all right cool let me just think on this And, and like what does that really mean to me because everyone's so focused on the peak experience of what we're doing but let's go ahead and get away from the peak experience because that experience ends the only person that really stays here is just me. So let me go ahead and find what's in that so I can then go ahead and carry it with me so it lasts forever. Yeah. Yeah, and I think the 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 six pillars in what you have identified as these different areas are um, it because it probably everything that happens in your life or or those stressors can fit into one of those categories. And, and, and let's say even if it doesn't, even if there's something else out there, um, you know, you've, that's a, a place that people can start that are, are common, kind of common areas of, of stress or dysfunction that you can start to make or put those interventions in place um, to, to kind of get people moving in, in a direction, uh, maybe even not the right direction right off the bat. Um, yeah, just so getting I, some momentum going. Right. And, and I think that's, yeah, that, that's been cool to, to see also is um, starting to think about it for myself in, in those ways and putting putting things in categories and, and seeing the actual data and, and how it aligns um, and, and then see the results from that too. Um, I've enjoyed that. And that maybe the, the chaos, it kind of helps you put some structure to it and uh, and allows you to, to think about it a little bit more cleanly other than I've just got all these things happening and um, it, you, all of a sudden it's piling up and also these things that I can control a little bit better nutrition and, and sleep I'm you know I'm, those are completely out the window because I'm everything else is going on so yeah, yeah I, I don't know where I, I was going with that but I, I think it's been cool to, to see it <laughs> yeah well, I, I was just I was just gonna say in, in terms of like if we look at, at how the world is at the moment with the 
the kind of the uncertainty and, and the amount of ambiguity there is in pretty much everything we're doing, trying to have like like a little bit of like a semblance of, of organization and, and kind of mm. like you said, your structure, I think is, is really important. Um, and, and we can, we can kind of zoom in and zoom out with this from like a, a kind of a, a big picture perspective, but also just in terms of a, everybody can kind of relate to this idea of having an absolutely crazy day where like everything that could go wrong did go wrong. And it's, it's how you like, how can we, um, how can we kind of manage maybe some of the, the chaos in that? How can we use the, the different pillars that, that George was talking about to kind of manage some of the, the chaos and take it from, from you being kind of on the, on the defensive almost to being able to, to be able to take action and, and own some of it. And, mm-hmm. and play offense. I think that's the, the biggest yeah. thing that I've learned too, man, is like that idea of there's a time to play defense. There's a time to play offense, right? Like we go back to the football world. Everyone's like defense wins championships, but, the offense is what got them there. So it's, it's the truth, you know? So I I think at the end of the day, you know, when we kind of start bringing this full circle in terms of, you know, (laughs) work training, the general lifestyle in which we do. And I, I, you know, I'm really looking at these priorities in terms of another system or a framework that can go underneath the conscious warrior system, because again, we're always evolving. And I, and I know like in a couple years from now, like it happened with the, the, the two day seminar that I used to teach in 2017 and 18, um yeah we've changed that completely (laughs) but i think any any system has to be flexible enough to to be able to evolve otherwise it dies version one two three four five and keep it going yeah yeah yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, definitely well to 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 kind of my last my last question the last thing i want to ask and i this can be quite interesting so so gents ideally i'm gonna ask the question to chris and then i want to see what george's reaction is so Chris, you were saying that you, you're kind of around the 10-year point of, of service. Is that right? Correct, yep. Okay. So if you, if you could, if you had junior officer Chris walk through your door next Monday and you had to mentor him, you had to kind of show him the ropes and, and things like that, I'd be really interested to hear what you'd, what you'd tell him and show him and what you'd like let him figure out for himself. And then part B, George, as a, as a sergeant, as an NCO, I'd be really interested to hear your your kind of your take on on what what Chris recommends. Man, so I guess there's there's kind of two different components to this because there's um, and, and I've had to to kind of arrive at this at some point because I've definitely been in positions where I didn't get a lot of guidance or mentorship, and so I didn't really know how to communicate to uh, the the person that I was working for, and and so I, I think that would be important. And there's kind of a whole um, different set of things that I would um, talk to them about to uh, get them kind of moving in that direction so they know how okay. I think and, and communicate effectively with me. But um, I, I don't want to go too far down that. I, I think probably more important that applies to, to really anybody that I would be working with, but especially somebody like this is um, one of the first things I would, I would tell them is be vulnerable. Um, okay. And in a lot in a lot of different aspects, but the most important one is that um, there is a lot of pressure for for everybody to perform. Um, but these young officers, young lieutenants who are coming out of uh, the basic school, and they, for the most part, unless they were prior enlisted, don't have any experience in the Marine Corps at all. Uh, there's a lot of pr- pressure to perform and prove that you know what you're doing, what you're talking about. Well, the thing is, 
you probably don't know what you're doing or talking about because you've never done it before. So be be open to that and and acknowledge that and, and tell, especially with, with NCOs and and staff NCOs, acknowledge that there are things that you need to learn and it's, you could call it humility, but I, I call it just being vulnerable, ask questions. Mm -hmm. Don't be afraid to, to show that there's something that you need to learn. Um, so to me, that's, that's really important. Um, and then, yeah, I, I guess kind of the rest of it would be, um, more along the lines of just kind of how I, how I see, uh, how I see the job, um, and then, um, trying to get people to, to kind of internalize those things too. So, um, caring, caring about the people, um, I know the, the cliche, I, I keep hearing it everywhere. Mission first people always, but I, I kind of like scrap that. I'm like, no, just get to know the people first and, and, sure. and make sure that the mission gets done like that. They're, they're the most important thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, um, just be, be aggressive. If there's a, a problem, um, if there's a problem, get in front of it, act, don't be acted upon, I think is, is in okay, the yeah, that's a nice way of looking at it. Yeah. I think that's from, uh, Stephen Covey's seven habits of highly effective people. Um, okay. but that's, uh, those are kind of the things that I've done. I, and not that I, there's been any measure of success for, for me, but, um, the way that I have been able to kind of move through without move through my career without any serious setbacks has kind of been that thing. If there's a problem, I'm going to go talk to you. If I can't talk to you in person, I'm going to pick up the phone and call you and last ditch, I guess I'll send an email to you, but I'd probably rather wait, just mm. rather wait till later. So, um, just, yeah, getting ahead of problems, being aggressive, and then, um, don't be afraid to, to let people know that, that you don't know and, and you need some help. Yeah, sure. And, and does that, th- thanks Chris. That's awesome. Does that, does that kind of, Obviously, I appreciate you've you've been out a little while now, George. But does that kind of resonate with you from, I guess, the other side of the fence? I mean, it, you know, you have to. Uh, I got to go ahead and create the picture real quick. Is like when I was in as Sergeant Briones, I was an instructor at the schoolhouse to where like I was getting guys ready to go ahead and do the job that I just got done doing, um, and and a fight in a war that I needed to. And and the way I looked at that was was like, all right, what's the task? what's the condition and then what's the standard and i kind of look at it from this perspective also still to this day and that doesn't go away even as i'm out now six years later i was in for you know eight years and it's like well i would still approach it from this aspect right and it's like okay cool within that task condition standard i can be vulnerable i can meet it i can meet that resistance right and then i can like you said the idea of humility of 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 humility of being able to be being okay. It's like, I actually don't know all of this right now. So let me be okay with telling you that and I'll come back to you. And that's something that I've really had to learn in the coaching world is like, there's certain things that I might not know and I need to go learn it real quick. Or it's like, here, hold my beer. I'll be back. <laughs> you know, yeah. like that's the idea from that. And so it's the idea of like, okay, situation dictates. But if I was to go ahead and have a young, you know, Lance Corporal PFC and you know, I'm not gonna lie to you. Have I have I like thrashed boots before? You know, as a corporal and and as a sergeant, sure. I think everybody has, and you know, it, it's is that the healthy way forward? I don't think so. I, I think the idea from that is going ahead and sitting these guys down and understanding, like, hey, this is the task in which your job is. This is the condition in which you have to maintain. That's the condition in which it's going to be like, and this is the standard at which we hold you to to complete such task. And the idea behind mm-hmm. that is, okay, cool. You know, troop warfare is mission success. End of the day, 
I know that. That's something I got taught in a very early time period in my career, especially as a reconnaissance comm chief, right, communications chief, meaning I had to teach guys my job so that if I was to be shot on patrol, they could still do it or if, uh, vice versa. So at the end of the day, it just comes down to understanding that task, condition, and standard of whatever it is my platoon sergeant sends down. And if that was underneath you know, Chris, as an, as a, as a platoon sergeant or as an NCO for him, it would be like, all right, sir, what's the task that you want me to do with this individual from a human perspective, not from a job. All right. What's the condition in which we need to maintain? And then what is the standard that they must be left been up to you? Cause then I can communicate that to them on that level of seeing them from peer to peer, because we already know that from an officer perspective to an NCO or, a, or an enlisted, it's, it's a very hard bridge to create and a buy-in to create. So I think it's just understanding vulnerability, meeting the resistance where it is and communicating in a very, very open dialogue. Some would say you're almost creating the conscious warrior. <laughs> no big deal. Oh, man. Well, I mean... I've been, having, I, I've been planning that one for ages. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but no, man, I, 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 again, Chris, thank you so much for your time today and jumping on the podcast. And like I said, we could probably sit here and talk for four or five hours. Um, and, yeah, and, definitely. You know, I, I think we hit a lot of pieces in there and... and, and I would like to bring him back on and kind of get more into the CWS aspect of the, the case study. Um, and again, just like we did our last podcast with, with Noel, you know, we kind of s opened the, the door to kind of go into this next portion because we, we got that out of the way. Now we can bring that on. I really enjoy the idea of having a series with individuals like this. Mm. Yeah, yeah. If, if you're up for it, Chris, we'd, we'd love to have you back. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. It's, it, that has been a great experience. It's been great talking to you guys about all this too, but, uh, yeah, seeing the conscious warrior system and how it developed and, and just kind of being a part of that's been pretty cool. And, um, there's definitely tools and, and things that I, I will take from it. And just like the, the kind of the four priorities, it's another model or framework that I can use to, to think about, yeah. um, even, you know, years down the road. Um, I, I think from, from kind of a, a personal perspective, it'd be really interesting to see how, if and how it kind of influences a your your transition to your next unit and promotion and and also with with the the birth to your next daughter yeah um some big yeah. changes on the horizon so i, I guess like proofs in the pudding almost will yeah right will, uh, well, i mean if if nothing else too just the 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 simple concept of there are these different things not outside of the priorities there's these different things that affect your well-being for all intents and purposes and there will be so some of those things will suffer. I know my sleep is going to suffer. So because I know that, what else? So I, I have five other things that I can look at and say, how else can I manage these things and make sure that they don't get out of control before the whole, before I'm crashing and burning and the whole system just falls. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, ju just like with your four priorities in terms of like moving the resources around a little bit right. to yep. keep everything flying. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. I think that's the big point is that awareness is to know that and be like, okay, cool. I know I'm coming up in the point of where I'm not gonna get much sleep. I might have to manage training a little bit, e a little bit simpler and I might need to go ahead and know this and give myself, again, I call it compassion. <laughs> Be kind to yourself yeah. when you get into these positions. So again, dude, thank you so much for your time. Matt, awesome job in navigating this podcast, dude. I loved it. Oh, thank you. Yeah, really appreciate you guys having me on. It's been a pleasure. Definitely, dude. Awesome. Thanks, Chris. Thanks, Chris.